All right. Well, there's a spit-shined water bottle in the front row. Feel free to pick it up whenever you need it. Um, before we get into communion today, uh, I'm going to invite Leon Zimmerman to come forward. Uh, Leon's been with us before. In fact, almost exactly a year ago, uh, he preached for us um, and shared with us a, a little bit about echo chambers and silos. And so um, Leon is with us today because he is uh, he works with Eastern Mennonite Missions, and uh, that's a constantly uh, evolving role as the world and the travel abilities around us change. But Leon's here to give us an update. Eastern Mennonite Missions is receiving uh, is receiving. Um, financial support from us this month, as well as always prayer support from us. And so we always like to hear what's, what's God's money doing in God's organizations through God's people around the world. And so, Leon, I would love to just hear what is God doing? What, what is God uh, leading you to? And how have you been able to be active and um, excited to see what's going on? Can I pray for you? Sure. Lord, I thank you for my brother, Leon. I thank you for his wife, Naomi, and for their willingness to follow you wherever you lead them. Lord, give them wisdom and discernment in these times where uh, the leading is, is adjusting um, more quickly than they might have expected when they stepped into this role. And Lord, I pray that you'll free him now to share and speak whatever needs to be shared. And Lord, open our ears to hear whatever we need to hear. Holy Spirit, please come. Holy Spirit, please come and work in him and work in us so that we can know you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's great to be here at Waterway. As I look down, I see a water bottle. As I look there, I see a water bottle. And we're in at the Waterway Church. So the water of life is what's important, right? Yes. Well, let me share a little bit with you I won't take a long time because I can't wait to hear a message from Mark 1. That's where it's from. Good. Uh, about 20 months ago, I started videotaping courses because we couldn't travel. We had a trip planned to East Africa. I was going to be gone five weeks teaching at four places, and something happened. Spring of 2020, you know what I'm talking about. So I started videotaping courses, and to date, I've videotaped five courses. And one of the jobs that I'm doing is just getting them out to places that I know, and sometimes places that I don't know, getting them out there to be used. And I don't know how they're being used, because it's a little bit like casting your bread upon the waters. But I do know of some times where it has been used, and just this morning at 7 o'clock our time, 5.30 in South India, one of my friends facilitated a course in one of the books that I taught on. For 10 weeks, they met together over Zoom. Sometimes there were nearly 40 people in those gatherings. It was a leadership training using the book of Daniel, and they finished it today. Um, and I joined them at the end of their time together and uh, was able to answer some questions and, and talk with them. Now, they were going to do it in person, but in, uh, this place in, in South Asia, trying to keep the country out of it, uh, they are having some real difficult problems with the virus. So he decided to do it on Zoom. So in his audience, I texted him after the class his evening, my morning today, I said, tell me where the students were from. Oh, he said, many from our country, some from England, even one from Saudi Arabia. So I'm just pretty happy about that. Just this past, in the past weeks, I finished a course and I'm sending it out to uh, places around the world. Put, a, put an email out this week to 20 different leaders at different countries around the world. I think it's about 12 countries around the world. And I've already been hearing back, yes, we want that course. Please send it. So that's the way I have been working since the spring of 2020. Um, haven't traveled, and, but there's possibility of traveling this uh, year. I want to tell you one more thing. It's about an exciting project. Back in the days when we were headed to East Africa, we were going to teach two places in the country of Kenya on the subject of marriage. Naomi and I were going to do it together. 
we've done that and kind of enjoy doing that. Well, that didn't happen because of the virus showed up. So we're thinking in terms of our next project. It's possible at this point. We're not committed, but possibly we want to do a project that would be on the whole subject of marriage. And I'd like to say it this way. Across the world, the gospel has gone forth in the last hundred years in some amazing ways, and movements have been established, churches have been planted, and things are happening. But we become aware that many times the marriages of our leaders aren't all that healthy. Lots of these places have a fairly strong patriarchal system, and your wife is your servant, maybe even your slave. And I still can't get it out of my mind having a discussion with a young disciple of Jesus Christ who said to me, I just don't quite get it. You have to beat her sometimes to show, your, to show her that you're in charge. Now that just is so foreign to us, we can't imagine that. But in their system, and as I think about this, the gospel penetrates and it needs to penetrate deeply. Missiologists talk about when the gospel penetrates down to some of the most foundational parts of a society and culture, the truth of the message of God's word has finally gotten down deeply. Well, there's marriages among us that maybe aren't that healthy, even of our leaders. So America can't say we have all the answers. So that's a, a possible project that we're looking at. What we've been doing is interviewing couples from different places in the world and trying to get a handle on what are the issues there. If you were going to teach on marriage in your culture, what would you share about? What are some of those subjects that are really important? So possibly our next project is one to kind of penetrate the whole area of Christian marriage, especially among our leaders. You here at Waterway, with all the water bottles, support us, and we are so grateful for that. You support EMM, and on behalf of EMM, on behalf of my wife and I, thank you so much. May his kingdom come and his will be done, as we prayed a few minutes ago, especially in the area of the marriages of our leaders. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you, Leon, for sharing. It's always good to hear what you're up to and what God is up to through you. And, and Naomi, I, uh, I look forward to uh, seeing the videos of your, your marriage teaching. Melanie and I do a lot of marriage counseling uh, with couples here who are getting ready to be married. And um, so it's always interesting to see how other people talk about that. I need to give Leon some credit. Um, one of the seminars that he taught online or that he videotaped was a series on Revelation. And that series on Revelation was very helpful to me as I studied over the summer. That was one of a handful full of resources that, that helped contribute to my understanding of Revelation as I preached through that um, over, over the summer. And when was that? I guess over the summer, I didn't preach at all. That was in the fall. Thank you, Steve. Boy, it's just a January brain. It's awfully cold outside, isn't it? Um, today, today, as was mentioned, we are going to, uh, we're going to share communion at the end of this service. And the reason why we do that is, frankly, because Jesus told us to do that. We will have, uh, this sermon will be coming out of Mark chapter 1 today, but we're going to be looking at this very broadly, almost from like a 10,000-foot view, a very big-picture kind of view. We'll be getting more particular in different weeks. In the last few weeks, as we've given some setting and some background in Mark, we've been very specific. Today's going to be a little bit more broad. And, and this is why, because in the book of 1 Corinthians, there's a very well-known passage. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He wrote it down, and churches have been following this now for 2,000 years. He said, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, that is the night near the end of his life on earth when Jesus was betrayed by Judas, when Jesus was then arrested and the next day would be hung on the cross. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. In other words, break bread in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I do have a cup of water here at the podium with me because I don't know how long I'm going to be able to speak today. Well, that's not true. I'm going to be able to speak long enough, but I don't know how long that's going to be because this week I've had a cold. Any of you have a cold right now? Don't raise your hand. You make your neighbors nervous. I keep being told it's not COVID, it's a cold. And then I remembered, oh yeah, there were colds before there were pandemics. Nose gets runny. Wake up once in a while with a sore throat. And as has happened to me for about the last 15 years, usually it happens in the fall of the year. This year it's in January. For a couple of days, my voice just weakens. It's interesting, isn't it, how all of our bodies respond differently to stuff? But I can remember a period about 10 or 12 years ago where three or four years in a row, for two weeks in the fall, my voice would just, by the end of the day, my voice was gone. And I'm in one of those modes here the last couple of days. Now, I was, um, I was frustrated more by the cold this week than I usually am. How many of you have had to go through COVID calculations? Cold, you know, it used to be that you start to sneeze and okay, eh, you know, got a sniffle, carry a hanky, have some Kleenex. It used to be that if you coughed, well, it was, it was a cough, you know. Now you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful that you don't sneeze or cough around anybody because people freak out. I had to go through some COVID calculations this week. Wait, and how sick am I? What am I sick with? Take a test, stick it up your nose. Should I be around people? How should I do that? What does that look like? How many of you have had to go through those calculations this week, this month, this year, in the last two years? How many of you are sick of it? And now here's the question that I really want to ask you. How many of you are made a little bit anxious just by me talking about it now? Because here's what I'm thinking about. Jesus said that we're supposed to take communion together. We're supposed to take bread and a cup, drink it and eat it, and remember him. That's an interesting thing to say to your disciples. I mean, he spoke to his disciples and says, do this and remember me. Remember me. He'd been teaching them for three years to follow him, to do what he did, to turn to God, to pray to the Lord, to find their strength in God alone. And Jesus says, look, when you get together, remember me. Some things have been lost that should not be forgotten. And then this week I had, had this cold, and other people have other kinds of sicknesses. We're juggling all the time with folks on the worship team who are suddenly sick, and, and sick for all kinds of different reasons, but it's hard to sing when you're sick. And so things change. Or somebody's sitting in the nursery, or they're going to be a Sunday school teacher, and now they're sick, and, and they're going to be around 15 little kids, and they just shouldn't be sneezing and coughing and snotting all the time. That's what the kids are for, right? <laughs> Jesus says to remember him. But it seems to me that in my life, and probably in yours, lots of things creep in that cause us to forget. It seems to me like there are lots of things that, that grab our attention and, and they grab our thoughts and they grab our ruminations and they grab our still time. And instead of remembering Jesus, we think about that. Instead of dwelling upon the Lord, we dwell upon those things. And for some time now, COVID has been one of those things. This is not the first time that we've been over-concerned about health issues. People have been doing that for a long time. And COVID is not the only thing that steals our thoughts. I mean, we all have our little idols, our little things that cause us to forget Jesus, that cause us to give too much time, too much thought, too much stress, 
and too much anxiety. There are all of these things that happen to us. COVID is just one of the more recent ones. And so I just want to ask you, as we're coming here today to formally and officially remember Jesus Christ, do you remember him all the time? Or are you one of those people like me who occasionally forgets? Who has those things creep in that take your attention, your energy, and your time that cause you to forget Jesus Christ? If you're wondering if you have any of those things, here's what you can do. You can pay attention to what makes you mad. What makes you angry? What just makes your blood boil? What makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up? What makes you just spitting mad, seething mad? You fill in the adjective. What is it that makes you angry? Is it the things of God? Is it the fact that people don't know the Lord and they're being lost and we're not reaching them? Does that make you angry? Or is it somebody talking about a sniffle or a vaccine or the truth of this health procedure and the falseness of that one? What makes you anxious? Those things that make you anxious are very often the things that have crept in to steal away your attention from Jesus. Are you paying attention to your thoughts? Are you paying attention to where your mind goes? Are you remembering Jesus or are you being distracted away from it? I was reminded a week ago. Remember, do you remember when Tucker Zimmerman was here and taught classes about how to share our faith? Do you remember that? It was a year ago. Tucker Zimmerman, young life leader, was in our fellowship hall and about 50 of us every Sunday morning for a whole quarter sat in Tucker's class learning how to share our faith. How many of you remember that now that I mention it? How many of you were there in that class? I wonder... How many who were in that class have used that teaching in this last year to tell somebody about Jesus? I was thinking about this this week. Because what I realized is so many of the things that we talk about, even the things that we talk about as we smile and laugh in the lobby, are not really things of Jesus, but they're something else. They're, They're just the details of life. They're about who's sick and who's healthy, who's playing ball, who's having fun, who's going to the mountains, who's staying at the cabin, what's the snow like, how's the weather? How much are we talking about Jesus? How much do we remember Jesus? He spoke to his disciples and says, remember me. And when I read these words to you, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Take this cup. It's the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. You say, yes, in remembrance of Jesus. But do you remember Jesus? In Mark chapter one, verse 16. Mark writes down, this is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's about three years before he stood before his disciples and broke the bread and and drank the cup and said, remember me. At the beginning of his ministry, you'll recall I preached the last couple of weeks that that, uh, Jesus had a forerunner, John the Baptist, came to prepare the way. And then Jesus came out and Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And then Jesus was taken into the wilderness and he was tempted for 40 days But he stood up to the devil and he stayed strong in his faith, didn't give in to that temptation. Now, after that, Jesus went out preaching, saying, repent, the kingdom of God has come near. And then we pick up our story here in Mark 1, starting in verse 16. What does it say? As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Boy, that new version really kills the nursery school song, doesn't it? I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men. Did anybody remember that song? Maybe it was only Mim Kronz that ever taught that song. If you'll follow me, if you'll follow me. At once they left their nets and they followed him. And when he had gone a little further, verse 19, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Here's Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry. He's got this message and he's out preaching and and he's he's been proclaimed, he's been baptized, he's been anointed, he's been announced as the king, as the son of the Lord most high. God has spoken from heaven. You'll remember we talked about this last week. The, the Spirit of God came down like a dove and, and upon, landed upon Jesus. And God said, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. And now Jesus is going out preaching. But he doesn't do it by himself. He calls out to Simon, whose name would later be Peter. 
Peter, who is the source for all the information that Mark is writing down. He called out to Simon and Andrew, who were fishermen, said, come follow me. And then he called out to James and to John, who were also fishermen, said, come follow me. And they followed him. He called these four guys, and we know eventually he called eight more, and now the invitation's out to everybody. He said, come and follow me. At once they left their nets and followed him. I think it's very interesting that James and John, they left their father Zebedee. So this is a family business. It's not just what they do for fun. It's not just what they do for a buck. This is a family business. Any of you part of a family business? If you're the father, you know what it's like to try to hold that together, perhaps to to hand it down to your son. Or if you're the son or the daughter, perhaps you know the pressure of, of working for mom or dad and trying to figure that all out. Well, James and John, sons of Zebedee, were fishermen. But it says that when Jesus called them, they left their father in the boat. They didn't leave him alone. They left him with hired men. So this was a decent-sized business, right? It's not even just the three of them. They've They've got something happening here. But when Jesus called them, it was very clear to them that this was not their main job anymore because it says that without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat, in the boat with the hired men, and they followed Jesus. Something about Jesus' call made them leave it all behind and say, Dad, this isn't us anymore. Dad, you and the hired guys, go ahead and take care of it. We're going with Jesus. Something about this calling spoke to Simon and Andrew who were casting a net. And instead of continuing to cast their net, they went with Jesus because he said, I'll I'll teach you to fish for people. Something was happening through the words of Jesus and through the mission of Jesus that that brought these people to want to follow him, even though they had things that might have been worth staying behind for. We can think about lots of reasons why people might have followed Jesus. I'm fascinated wondering why he invited them in the first place. Couldn't Jesus have done this work alone? I mean, he started out preaching and teaching, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. In Matthew 26, when Jesus was being arrested, one of Jesus' followers took out a sword and sliced off the ear of one of the cops. Jesus says, put your sword away. Don't you know that everybody who draws the sword will die by the sword? But then in Matthew 26, 53, Jesus says to that follower, he says, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus says to one of his followers who's trying to protect him, he says, hey, buddy, put your sword away. We don't need it. I could call thousands of angels to come help me if I need it. Now, if Jesus could call thousands of angels to protect him from the cops, he didn't because he had a bigger plan. But if Jesus could do that, couldn't he have just called thousands of angels to help him preach? Why did he have to call these knucklehead fishermen? These fishermen keep getting in trouble anyway. Simon, who's called Peter, later on denies Jesus. Peter always sticking his foot in his mouth. But yet Jesus used him. In fact, the words of Peter endure as they've been written down here by Mark and we're reading them today. But couldn't Jesus have done this mission on his own? I mean, with all the miracles, with all the power, with his ability to call down angels, couldn't Jesus have just preached and taught and told everybody? I mean, Couldn't Jesus have just kind of announced it and had God just miracle it out to the whole world? Jesus is Lord. Follow him alone. Why work through these disciples? Okay. Have you ever had someone helping you do a job who was no help at all? Have you ever had the kind of helper that made you say, you know, it'd be easier if I just, oh, wait, how's that sentence end? It'd be easier if I just did it myself. Have any of you had to tell your helper, okay, get out of the way. Get out of the way, son. Let me do that. Get out of the way, daughter. Let me handle this. Have you ever hired someone, those of you who do hiring, have you ever hired someone and soon regretted it? because you realize that they were more of a headache than they were worth? Or have you ever had an employee go through a training session and you said, boy, I really thought that that would help more than it did? 
I wonder about that with Jesus. Because it's easy to fall into the temptation. And I see it even more as I get older. It's easy to fall into temptation saying, you know, it'll just be quicker if I do it myself. And that's true in the short term, right? But long term, what do we need? We need people around us who can love us and support us and help us. Those of us, as we're growing older, we, we need to be people who pass our faith and our knowledge and our experience on to the next generation. We can't just keep it ourselves so that we can get done a little bit more quickly. We need to be teaching. But here's Jesus, this 30-year-old son of God. So much wisdom. He calls out these disciples and, and eventually he calls out more and invites them into his circle to be his followers. And he says, look, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Jesus showed that there was something in people that he can use. In Matthew 28, near the end of his ministry, it says the, the disciples, 11 of them, Judas at this point was no longer living. Matthew 28, 16, it says the 11 disciples went to Galilee where Jesus had told them to go. And this is after all the events of his life on earth. This is after he died on the cross and rose from the grave. It says in Matthew 28 that the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. Jesus met them there. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he said these words that had pushed so many missionaries out the door. He said, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Do you see the trust that Jesus puts on these humans? Three years ago, he's calling these guys out of the boat and James and John are like, Dad, just stick with the hired men. But, but now Jesus is telling them, this whole mission now is yours. Go. Go to the ends of the earth and make disciples of all the nations. Couldn't Jesus have done that himself? It seems that he could have. Couldn't he have just called down legions of angels to be messengers and take, it seems that he could have. But what did Jesus, what did the Lord decide to do? Worked through people and said, go and do as I have done. As I've taught you, teach them. As you have grown in me, let them grow in me. And Jesus says, I'll be with you as you carry it out. Not only does Jesus give them this mission, but he gave them these words in the Gospel of John. In chapter 14, he says to his disciples, truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Jesus says, essentially, I was here for three years, and I did ministry, and I did miracles, and all this stuff happened to me. You believe in me, you follow after me, you'll do that too, and even greater things. Why? Because Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. And I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that my Father may be glorified. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. That's what's possible. This is what Jesus calls people out to do. It's what he called his disciples for. He wants the team to grow. He wants people to learn. It would have been easier, it seems, for him to just do it by himself. But he didn't do it that way. Apparently for Jesus, it was better to invest in us, to call us, to go do his work. Even these centuries later. That's what's possible. But is this your reality? For you and for me, these 2,000 years later, Jesus gave those words to his disciples and said, remember me. And we've been hearing them. For me, I've been hearing it my whole life as I've heard communion services. Remember Jesus, remember Jesus, remember Jesus. You've been hearing it too. Are you living that? This passage here in Mark 1, where Jesus calls these disciples, reminds me that there is a strategy whereby God works through people. And that God has this hope and this trust in us that we will indeed carry out what he tells us to do. I mean, God would have never invested in this plan if it was going to flop and fall short. Jesus saw something as disciples. He invested in them. They grew. And now he said, go and do it. Multiply and let this be a message that travels to the whole world. Today, we're still under that same umbrella. God still calls us out, which means that it's possible for us to indeed make disciples of all nations. 
We can baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We can teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. Because indeed, Jesus is with us to the very end of the age. But let me ask you, what does your life look like? Do you continue to dwell in the name of Jesus Christ who gives you all power? Do you continue to remember him? Him who sent you out on a mission and who fills you up to be able to complete it. Do you have your life absolutely revolving around him? Or are you being distracted by all the little things that creep in from the side that try to get our attention, that try to steal our energy, that steal our peace and steal our joy? Do you remember Jesus? Or are you just flapping in the wind? Church, where are you at today, right now? This week, I was reminded how frustrated and how aggravated and how tired I am of COVID stuff. It's fine to be over it. But what I realized is that some of that COVID stuff began to creep in and at moments made me forget about the ultimate joy of following Jesus. I could tell because just inside of me, that little, I don't know, the acid pumps started pumping just a little bit more. And it was just that warning of, heads up. Jesus says, remember me. And so I'm coming to this communion table today. And one of the things that I've had to repent of in the last couple of days, and one of the things that I will be thinking about as I eat this bread, which symbolizes the body of Christ, And as I drink this cup, which symbolizes the blood of Christ, I will be remembering Jesus. And I will be remembering the power that he had to help his disciples rise above the circumstances around them. Oh, they still suffered. They still knew pain. And they still all eventually died. But they lived with a peace. And they lived with a grace. And they lived with a kind of focus that I want to make sure is also evident in my life. And I just know that what that means is that I need to more often remember Jesus and make sure that all the concerns of the world, I'm concerned about a lot of things, make sure that none of those concerns drown out my memory of Jesus. Make sure that none of those concerns turn into the things that we might call stressors that now take my attention away from Jesus. I can give all my stress to the Lord, And I can rest knowing that he'll take care of things. This is hard to do, right? This is a continuous life that we've got to live here. I think that's why Jesus says, every time you eat the bread and drink the cup, remember me. Because every time we eat and drink, we need to be reminded. It's so easy to forget. So again, that's a really big, broad picture of what it means to be called to remember Jesus. I hope, I mean, I look around this church and I see so many of you who love the Lord, who are studying about the Lord, who are working for the Lord, who are striving after the Lord. I know you love him. I know you've committed to him, but do you remember him? Because as Christians, it's, it's, it's just so obvious that too many of us, and and when I talk about us, I'm not just talking about Christians here at Waterway Church inside the room. I'm talking about everybody who seems to call themselves a Christian. There are too many of us who are not remembering Jesus every moment, but we're being consumed by other things. Will you pray with me, church? Holy Spirit, please come and help us to make sense of the things we need to make sense of. And Holy Spirit, please come, help us to have strong and deep faith in the moments when we don't understand. Lord God, we love you. Lord God, so many of us have committed ourselves to you, but Lord, we need your help. And Holy Spirit, we continue to call on you to help us to remember Jesus. To remember the commission that he gave us to go and and share our faith with the world. 
to remember the promise that he gave us that he'll be with us always to the very end of the age. Holy Spirit, help us to remember. And God, we need your help because there are some things that are working us up that shouldn't be working us up. Lord, there are some things that we're angry with each other about. This should not be causing anger. Lord, there are some things that that make us nervous about being in a conversation with somebody else, and, and we shouldn't have to be nervous. Lord, we wonder how they're going to hear us. We wonder whether they agree with us. Lord, help us to remember Jesus and be unified by the faith and hope that we have because of what he did on the cross, what is symbolized by, indeed, this bread and this cup. Lord, help us remember the big picture. Help us remember the big story. That you love this world so much that you sent Jesus to rescue us so that all who call on him might be saved. And not just saved for eternity, but but saved for this life as well. That we might have life and have it to the full. Lord, help us to rise above all these things that try to steal our life away. And help us to remember Jesus. We love you, Lord. Now, congregation, as you continue in an attitude of prayer, I'll invite you forward for communion in just a moment. But here's what I want to, you, want to invite you to consider. As, as you come before the Lord, I'd like you to take a moment to remember Jesus. Remember what Jesus has done for you. Remember what your life was like before him. And church, I want you to take a moment to consider whether your entire life is sold out for Jesus. Maybe you've been distracted. Well, repent of that. Maybe your passion has gone cold. Repent of that. Maybe you've Maybe you've been sinning. Repent of that. So church, take a moment in the silence. Remember what Jesus has done for you. And repent of anything that you've done against him. Take that moment and pray to the Lord. Lord, we give our whole selves to you. Lord, we lay ourselves before you. Lord, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. And Lord, I pray that you would restore our fellowship. Our fellowship with you, but also our fellowship with each other. Lord, help us to love our brothers and sisters. And not to be divided by trivial things. Lord, help us to remember the way that you invited us to follow you with all of our hearts and let our hearts not be divided by other issues. Lord, as we come to this communion table together, signifying our unity in you, may that unity truly exist. May it be real. May we be united because of you and in spite of everything else. Lord, as we prepare to eat this bread and drink this cup, Please touch our hearts and our minds and our bodies that we be fully aligned in worshiping you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now we're going to invite you to come forward. I think uh, it is possible to grab a piece of bread and not touch all the other ones. Okay? So do that. It is possible to grab a cup and not touch all the other ones. Do that. So I'm going to invite you to come forward, take a cup, take a piece of bread, and take it back to your seat with you, okay? You will notice there are two kinds of bread. On this side by the piano, there is gluten-free bread. On this side, 
there is kind of a standard uh, filled with gluten bread. <laughs> Take whichever one you need. Take it back to your seat. Here's how I'm going to invite you to do that. I'm going to invite you as best you can to come down the center aisle and then go back to the outside. Okay, just be patient. If somebody looks like they need some space, leave some, leave some space. There's plenty for everybody. There's no rush. Okay? I'm going to invite you to come forward, take a piece of bread and a cup and go back to your seat. Would you please come forward? You are invited to communion.
Did I say all that again? Or did you hear most of it? 135 of us have a cup and a bread. Remember him. Remember how his body was broken on the cross. And Jesus said, when you take the cross, remember his blood that was spilled for us on the cross. And so there are 135 of us in this room who should be more united by this than anything else. We remember Jesus and remember that he is supreme. There are other things that happen around us. There are things in our lives that are good and that are bad, that we celebrate together, that we wrestle about together. But ultimately, this communion reminds us that there are 134 other people in this room with whom we are united no matter what because of the blood of Christ and the body of Christ given for us. Jesus said, remember that. And so church, brothers and sisters, I remind us today to remember that. That everything else that happens is secondary to this, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us be more careful as we move forward that nothing divides, but that Christ indeed unifies. Right? Take a moment and pray to the Lord as you need to, and then I will lead us in a prayer. Lord, we come to you together and we say thank you. Thank you for loving us, for giving us a hope, and for giving us a future. Thank you, Lord, for giving us each other, even when we drive each other nuts. Lord, help us to see our brothers and sisters here as brothers and sisters. And help us to find our unity in you. Lord, even as we argue and even when we disagree, Lord, please let nothing divide us. But let us remember you. Amen. Church, take the bread that is in your hand and repeat these words after me. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Eat it. Church, as you drink this cup, remember Jesus. Please repeat repeat these words after me. The cup which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. Drink it and remember Jesus. Lord, help us to remember you. In all that we do, help us to remember you. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Brothers and sisters, go from this place today being brothers and sisters. If you don't know the hope of the Lord yet, and if you don't know yet what it means to be saved by Him, please talk to me before you go. Or talk to somebody that was holding a cup and holding a piece of bread, and they'll be able to tell you about their hope and their faith in Jesus Christ. Don't leave here uninformed. Church, as you go, remember Jesus. Amen? Amen. Blessings to you.